0: You are listening to The Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now here's your host, Darius Good.
1: Welcome to The Divorced Christian Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good Thank you for joining us for today's episode um, The Divorce Christian Podcast Show is a podcast show where we focus on divorce Too often when divorce is taught, it's taught from the lens of marriage God created marriage, God created the institution of marriage So we put divorce in this section of sin, don't do it, and then most of the teaching really centers around marriage itself. And so we took a a very focused look at divorced. And it's interesting to me because as I've talked to several ministers, they've said to me, there's not much in the Bible on divorce. And as I've done my my research, as I've prayed, um, as I've looked at a lot of laws uh, pertaining to the Levitical law, and even writings from rabbis on this particular subject, um, it was more, more so through the prayer, as the Lord gave me revelation and show, showed me different things to look up. I began to discover there is so much in the Bible on this topic of divorce. So uh, our show does not advocate divorce at all. We are by far pro-marriage. We, we, we understand that God established marriage in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, um, that it is, is not God's intention for divorce, But I think there's some erroneous teachings around divorce that has created um, major devastation in people's lives. And so as I'm going through the scriptures, we're going to put things in its proper place. And so um, one teaching I think is one of the most destructive teachings that we've taught for maybe centuries at this point is that Jesus said that we could... we could get divorced for the cause of adultery. I highly recommend that you go back and listen to the previous episodes as we covered quite a bit of this information in detail. Um, I will just share briefly in today's episode some things that we've already covered. So in Matthew chapter five, when Jesus makes a statement that in times past, uh, the law of Moses said to put away your spouse, put away the wife, And then write them a bill of divorce Then Jesus goes on and says But I say unto you Uh, We've pointed out the fact that Jesus was reiterating the law of Moses And he previously made a statement That he did not come to change the law Did not come to destroy the law Did not come to do away with the law of Moses So based on our teachings That Jesus then turned around and said you can get divorced for the cause of adultery that would be a violation of the law of moses so there's no way jesus would have made that statement we established that matthew chapter 4 at the very end of that the chapter it talks about the audience jesus was talking to He was talking to jews they were from galilee from judea From the Jordan area, you can find this verse in Matthew 4, verse 25. Why is this important? Because the Jews understood the Levitical law. They knew the law of Moses. So there's no way Jesus could have violated um, or blasphemed the law of Moses without a response. So let me give you this example. You look at the story of Stephen. Um, and this is in the book of Acts. Stephen was a man of faith. Stephen was selected to be a deacon. And in Acts chapter 6, as he gets into this debate, a very heated debate um, with the men in the synagogue, they were disputing. This is around Acts chapter 6, verse 9. Um, it says at verse 10, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which Stephen spoke. So what they did was um, they began to get men together and make the statement that he was speaking blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So it's important we don't rush through these de- details. Blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people, this is verse 12, Acts 6, 12, stirred up the elders and the scribes, they came to him, they caught Stephen, they brought Stephen to the council. Their argument against Stephen, um, as it says in verse 13, they set up false witnesses. And their argument to the court, because they brought him to the council, this is court, they brought him to court. It said, this man ceased not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place. So he's talking about the temple. And the law But we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth Shall destroy this place And shall change the customs Which Moses delivered unto us This was the only argument they could have against Stephen Now we understand this was a false witness But I'm pointing this out to help us understand That if Jesus had taught something that violated the culture violated the laws of Moses. Things established by Moses, they would have charged Jesus with blasphemy. They would have taken him to the Sanhedrin, to the council, to stand trial because you can't speak against the laws of God. We do understand Stephen was not speaking against the laws of God. And the statement that Jesus made was that he would tear down the temple, but in 3 days, um he would rebuild this temple. We know that that statement was regarding his body, regarding him dying on the cross. So he was not talking about the physical temple that they went to to worship God. We also know that when they did arrest Jesus, this was the only argument that they could bring against him in court. So all the other dialogue that the Pharisees had with Jesus, that the scribes had with Jesus, that the Sadducees had that with Jesus, they were never able to cap- capture him or bring a witness against him that said Jesus violated the law of Moses. But our Christian teachings, that Jesus said we can get divorced for the cause of adultery would be a violation of the law of Moses. So in Stephen's case, uh, even though it was a false witness, they found him guilty of blaspheming, and the scripture says that they stoned Stephen. This is in Acts chapter 7. If you go back to the response that Jesus got as he's preaching this sermon, Matthew chapter 5, um, understand that this was a several chapters of teaching. So the sermon begins in Matthew 5, but it ends at the end of Matthew chapter 7. And at verse um, let's go to verse 28, Matthew 7:28. It says, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Jesus had violated the law of Moses. They would have been an angry. They would have sought to capture Jesus, bring him to the Sanhedrin and have him killed. So, there's nothing that Jesus said within those two chapters that was contrary or a violation of the law of Moses. So, in Leviticus 20, verse 10, the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. The requirement by the law of Moses for the sin of adultery was death. We have another verse in Deuteronomy. So in Deuteronomy 22, verse 22, if a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman. So shall thou put away evil from Israel. God referred to adultery as evil. It had to be put away from the nation. It was not permitted to be uh, an act that was overlooked. Paul, who was a Pharisee, man well studied in the law of Moses, in Hebrews chapter 10, as he is explaining to the church, he, he says to them, this verse uh, 28, Hebrews 10, verse 28. He that despised, that ignored, he that uh, decided they were not going to obey the law of Moses, died without mercy under two or three witnesses. We see that throughout the Old Testament. Requirement was you can't have one witness. required two witnesses, eyewitnesses to see the event, see the act that was carried out. So two or three witnesses was the requirement. There was no room for mercy. There was no room for grace. That's what Paul explained. They died without mercy. Let me show you this example. Because we do know that the law said to them, do not or thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. We have this list of things that God said they could not do. Now, let's look at an example of a young man that was caught in a fight. So in Leviticus chapter 24, we have the story of a Israelite woman. She has a son, and the father was Egyptian. And this son of the Israelite woman and a Israelite man got into a fight in the camp. Leviticus chapter 24, verse 10. The woman's son blasphemed the name of the Lord and cursed. They took the young man. They brought him to Moses as they put him in ward, which means they held him in restraint. This is verse 12 that the mind of the Lord. They're not looking at the law of Moses. They're saying, God, how shall we handle this situation? They have the law there. Moses is there with them. But they're looking to God as to how should this situation be handled. Verse 13. Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Bring forth him that cursed without the camp, that to take this young man outside of the camp, that all that heard him lay their hands upon his head, that all the congregation stone him. Thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, Whosoever curseth his God shall bear his sin. And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. And all the congregation shall certainly stone him as well the stranger as he that is born in the land. When he blasphemeth the name of the Lord shall be put to death. Understand what just transpired. This young man blasphemed. he cursed several people heard him. God required those that heard him to place their hands on this young man's head. So they walked past, touched his head. And then the entire congregation, even those that were strangers among them, the non-Hebrews, all were required to stone this man to death. God did this purposely sending a message to the entire nation, the entire congregation that when you break a law, thou shalt not. This is how it was handled. What I want you to notice is that they did not provide room for mercy. There was no mercy. The young man could not say, "Let me provide a sin offering." There was no back and forth. God said, "Kill him." And this was what was the requirement as he was sending a message to his nation, to his children. To his people, when I tell you, do not break the law, do not break the law. At Leviticus 24, verse 23, Moses spoke to the children of Israel that they should bring forth him that had cursed out of the camp, stone him with stones, and the children of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter... 31 verse 12. What I want us to notice about this verse is that the entire nation of Israel knew the laws, not just the Pharisees, not just the Sadducees. Those were men who had given their life to the studying of the law. They're like lawyers, attorneys. They were judges amongst the nation of Israel. These were the elders, but the entire nation knew the law. Deuteronomy 31 verse 12, gather the people together, men and women and children and thy strangers that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 46, and he said unto them, set your hearts to all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe, to do all the words of this law. What do you think they were learning when they would go to the temple? As they're reading from the Torah, they're reading the laws of Moses. The nation of Israel was not ignorant to God's law. Their lifestyle was not like many of ours today, Who do not know the laws of their town. We don't know the laws of our our states. We don't know the laws of our country. So we go to court. And then we have this eye-opening experience as judges and attorneys are saying that's not how that works. We don't know our laws. They were not permitted to be a part of the nation of Israel and not know the laws. Even those that came in as strangers, God said, "Treat, treat, uh, treat them as one born among you. Now, the strangers were required to to learn the law. There's one verse where it says that the stranger, there's one law, one law for the stranger and for the Hebrews. They all had, there was not different laws if you were not a citizen. If you're going to join, these are the laws, these are the customs, these are the practices established by God that we cannot alter, we cannot change. And Jesus understood that. So let's, uh, let's take a look at the sin offering. I think it's important that we understand this concept in regards to Jewish culture, Jewish norms, a part of their society. We understand the concept of a lamb taking the place of an individual, the hands being placed on the animal, sins being transferred. This is a part of the gospel of Christ. So this is a concept that all of us should be familiar with that are saved because we teach that Jesus was the lamb of God. He died on the cross in our place, in our stead. So when we look at Jewish offerings that were offered, I need to point out this misconception of the sin offering. You go to Leviticus chapter four, Says the Lord spoke to Moses chapter 4 verse 2 told moses to say to the children of children of israel if a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the lord concerning things which ought not to be done and shall do against any of them and at verse 3 he says if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people let him bring for his sin he hath sinned a young bullock Without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering. We have this list here that explains um, if if the categories of if this type of person sins, this was the requirement to be brought for a sin offering. But what I want to explain to us, there's two things I need to explain. Leviticus four breaks it down into four categories. The first was an anointed priest that sinned. That's at verse three. Leviticus four three. If a priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin. So, in this case, we're talking about anointed priests. There was a requirement um, of, and there explains what animal to bring and how that animal was to be killed. <clears throat> Let's go down to verse 13. If the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance and the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly, they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which should not be done. And are guilty when the sin which they have sinned against is known. The congregation shall offer a young bullock for the sin. And once again, it goes through the details of what they're required to do. Verse 22, when a ruler hath sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord, his God concerning things which should not be done, and is guilty, or if his sin, wherein he hath sinned, come to his knowledge. Shall bring his offering a kid of the goats, a male without blemish, and it goes right through the list. Jump down to verse 27. If any one of the common people shall sin through ignorance, while he doeth something or somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty, or if the sin which he hath sinned come to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering a kid of the goats, a female without blemish. But they had to, were required to bring different animals depending on which category you fell into. We have four categories here. Anointed priest, a ruler, uh, the entire congregation, and then the common people. And then we have the explanation of what each category was required to do if they sinned. What I need to highlight to you The point I need to point out to you, that it's missed. Sin offering was never, never, ever, ever offered to God for sins that were done on purpose. They were only offered for sins that were done through ignorance. I'm going to read it again. Verse 2, Leviticus 4.2. If a soul shall sin through ignorance, let's go through verse 13. If the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance, let's go to verse 22. If a ruler hath sinned and done somewhat through ignorance, go to verse 27. If any one of the common people sin through ignorance, you could not purposely commit a sin in the nation of Israel, and then bring a sin offering. It never worked that way. There was no, no uh, mercy, and there was no grace extended to you. If you committed a sin on purpose, you were killed. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. How do you commit a, a trespass? How do you break the law of God through ignorance? One example was, if you're out chopping down a tree, And the blade of the axe slipped off and hit the man in the face. You didn't purposely kill that man, but now he died because of you. The requirement then was they had these cities of refuge that were set up. I believe there were three on one side of Jordan. When they went into the promised land, they built more cities of refuge. If you end up killing a person, you had to travel to the city of refuge And then say to the priest what you had done, and they would only allow you entrance with the understanding that you had no hatred or malice in your heart towards the individual that you killed. You're permitted to stay in that city until um, there was a seven year period or the year of Jubilee would would, would arise. There were certain uh, time periods in which now you were released from that sin. But if it was determined, That you had hatred against that individual that you were killed, that killed by your hand, that was killed at any point. You were killed, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. These were the laws. And so there were things that were done out of ignorance, and we won't take the time today to deal with adulterous marriages. But adulterous marriages is not the same as the sin of adultery. So we're going to get into that at a later point because I want to take my time. We can lay this out so we understand how people ended up in adulterous marriages. The guilt for a, if you're found guilty of an adulterous marriage, it did not require death. It actually required divorce. But if you were found guilty of adultery, then it required death. We'll deal with this at another point. But I would need to highlight this. You cannot sin out of ignorance. Oh, I'm sorry. You cannot sin on purpose and then bring a sin offering to the priest and allow an animal to die in your place. No, you are guilty of the sin and you died. As I reiterated in the beginning of today's lesson, as children, they knew the law. The children were taught the law. They kept the law of God in, in, in we use the expression in their eyelids is right before their face. They studied the God's law. They knew his laws. So no one could be held in a state of ignorance when strangers came into the land and were required to learn the law as well. But you can't plead ignorance to the priest when you purposely committed a sin. That did not work. So there are other examples of things occurring in ignorance where sin offerings had to be brought like the priest could not have blood on his robe. If you discover later that there's blood on the robe, there was requirements that had to be done in those cases. But that's, these are issues of ignorance. They didn't purposely put blood on themselves and then go into the, uh, the, the temple to perform their duties. But let's connect this concept of, of uh, sinning in ignorance with what Paul was explaining to them in Hebrews. Hebrews 10, verse 28 He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. That's verse 28. But Paul said at verse 26, if we sin willfully, keyword, willfully, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. But now I'm willingly sinning after I've come into a place of truth. And understanding There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin I know we believe that through grace God's just going to keep forgiving me It doesn't work that way Not when you come into a place of knowledge and truth Jesus cannot be crucified afresh We can't treat Jesus' blood as an unholy thing He keeps sinning and saying God's going to forgive me It doesn't work that way It didn't work that way then And it doesn't work that way now under grace Thank you for joining us. Join us again on next week. Be blessed.
0: You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.